Thank you, friends. Merry Christmas. He is risen. Oh, I tried to catch y'all, but this is a double day of glory, as my brother said, because it's Christmas is the day we recognize Jesus's birth, and it's Sunday, which is the day that Jesus rose again from the dead, so all of God's victory in Christ is fully displayed today, and it is a day of happiness and joy for his people who know him now and for his people who will come to know him through the bright light of the church. So praise God, praise God. So good to see your smiling faces here this morning. Special thanks to the worship team for jumping in here, the sound guys, those in the back who are doing childcare. Thank you for serving on a Christmas day. That's beautiful of y'all. We appreciate you guys. And speaking of kids, I'm only going to talk for 10 minutes, okay? So we have kids three and up in here. So I'm going to give us a short homily, a short devotional thought from from, uh, John chapter 17. And I want the rest of us who don't have kids to quietly judge in our hearts those who do. And at the end of the time, we'll give an award to those who, who kept a lid on their kids, okay? So we're glad we're all here. I mean, this is a family time. This is our family who's assembled Please be merry. Please make a joyful noise. We are here to worship and understand and learn about God together. But speaking of kids, you know, kids in our lives have this marvelous way of exposing what we do and don't understand about the world, right? If you have kids or nieces or nephews or grandkids or kids in the neighborhood, you know that there are things that you think you know until a kid asks you, and then you realize you don't really know what you're talking about, right? So this happens in my household all the time, but it happened last night because we were watching It's a Wonderful Life. So we did our family worship, and then we sat down to that movie. How many of you saw that this Christmas time around? How many of you are taking a year off, and you're going to get back to it next year? Yes, a couple of you. Yeah, most of you. Okay, that's what we did last year. But You know, It's a Wonderful Life, great movie, and in there you have this institution called the Building and Loan, and it got very confusing when there was a run on the bank and people showed up and George Bailey was being pressed to come good on his loan that he had given, and my kid said, well, why can't they get their money out of the bank? Pause the movie. Okay, this is not a traditional bank. This is more like buying stocks in a certificate of deposit. And so you're actually loaning money that's being used for another person's home. You're gaining interest, but you need a 60-day notice to get your money back. The kids were so bored, they said, could we just play the movie? Like, we don't, we don't care anymore what this thing is. So you get exposed, you know, you, you get asked a question. I love when adults ask me questions from the Bible because I can usually fudge my way through. But when a child asks a question, you gotta know your stuff. You gotta know your scripture. You gotta break it down because if they can't understand it, I probably don't understand it myself. And one of those questions, one of the things we kind of throw around within the church in our religious language is this whole idea of eternal life. We talk about eternal life, we share eternal life, we look forward to eternal life. But what happens when a child presses you and says, what are you talking about? What do you mean by eternal life? 
if a child asked you that question, where would your mind and heart go? What would you say to explain eternal life to a little one? I'm sure our minds would go to heaven. I'm sure our minds would go to a place that is being prepared for us that we will go to and God dwells in bright glory and heaven is a place, eternal life is a place. And I'm sure our minds will also go to our bodies. The older we are, the more our minds go to eternal life with respect to our bodies. There's a time that's coming when we won't have any physical ailment and we won't be sick and we won't cry anymore and we won't be hurt anymore. We won't bleed anymore. That is a place of eternal life. And I'm sure our minds go to our loved ones, those who know Jesus, who have passed away, some even this year, who we miss. Our minds go to the fact that we will be reunited with all believers. And if our kids are asking the question, their minds are also going to their pets. Who hasn't been asked about eternal life with respect to their pets? Are they gonna be there too? What is eternal life? In other words, what is the victory and the joy of Christmas Day? Well, Jesus actually answers this question for us in a super unique way in John 17. If you have your Bibles and want to open there, we're going to look at just a couple of verses. But John uh, is telling the story of Jesus in the upper room. This is an odd Christmas passage because Christmas is at the beginning of Jesus's life and the upper room is at the end of Jesus's life, but that's where we are. And Judas has gone out into the dark and it's late at night and the 11 disciples are gathered around Jesus and one of the last things Jesus does with them is to pray to his father for them, for the 11, but also for us who would go on to believe in Christ as well. And this is what he says in John 17. Look at verses one through three. When Jesus had spoken these words, He lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that the son may glorify you since you have given him authority over all flesh to give eternal life to all whom you have given him. And here it is, verse three. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Did you hear Jesus' answer to the question, what is eternal life? Verse three, and this is eternal life, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. Eternal life equals knowing God in Christ. Eternal life is knowing, fellowshipping with, communing with God in his victory in Christ. That means when Jesus is pressed to describe everlasting life, his mind and heart at the end of his life goes to the giver and not to the gift. It doesn't go to what we're going to get from God. His mind and heart actually goes to God himself. When I want to talk about eternal life now that I'm about to go see my father, I don't just want to talk about what you're going to get and what you're going to receive and what you will enjoy forever in that glorious place. 
What I want to talk about in these final moments is the fact that the truest gift of all is the giver himself, is me. It's God in Christ. Now that must be intentional for Jesus because Jesus knows how to talk about the gifts. He knows to talk about eternal life by listing all the gifts, all the things we will actually receive from him. He knows how to talk about that and he actually talked a bunch about that during his life and in John's gospel. So for example, he knows how to talk about the gift. Number one, he says eternal life is the gift of escaping death. John 5, 24, whoever hears my word and believes, he has passed from death to life. He says that eternal life is also the gift of being resurrected. This was super controversial when he said this to a crowd in 654, whoever feeds on my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. Eternal life is dying and being brought back to life in this grand resurrection. He says, number three, eternal life is the gift of living forever. That's how we naturally think about this. John 6, 51, whoever believes, he will live forever. When he's resurrected from the dead, when he has passed from death to life, he is going to go on living forever and ever. And number four, eternal life is the gift of life in God's house. That's the one he just said in chapter 14, verse two, in the upper room, in my father's house are many rooms. I go to prepare a place for you. So Jesus has no problem talking about the gifts of eternal life. All the good things that come to us because we are in Christ, because when we die, we will be risen with him and we get to join him in heaven. He can talk about the joys of the gifts that we're gonna get. Like we have this joy of passing from death to life, of standing before God even though we've sinned and being declared not guilty in the cosmic courtroom. That is a gift of ours and we are free from the penalty and the presence of sin. He can talk about heaven as this bright and beautiful and glorious and sinless and shameless place where we will dwell with God as we have been intended to dwell with God, walking with him in that place. He can talk about heaven as a room prepared for us. There is space for all who know him and trust in him. There are places prepared for us with name tags that we will join him in that glorious place. And he can talk about these new bodies that we're going to get that will never wear out, never get sick, never experience cancer, but will go on living forever and ever Jesus can talk about the gifts with the best of them. You're excited about something about heaven? Well, Jesus can double down and tell you more about the gifts. But when the cross comes into focus and his mission of Christmas to come as God incarnate and the hour of God's glory has come, all those other things he said about heaven and eternal life in all those chapters in the Gospel of John, they start to fade away. And what replaces the gifts is the giver himself. This is the grand gift of Christmas, is that you have access to God himself. 
God in the person and victory of Christ is yours. He's here in this place. He communes and fellowships with you. You can speak to him throughout the day. You can confess your sins to him throughout the day. You can receive his forgiveness and his assurance and his benediction blessing today. The great gift of Christmas is God himself in the person of Christ. He is ours and we are his and that is our gift. That's eternal life. That's important to remember today because we have such a visual of it on Christmas Day. Now, I assume most of us got up at 3 a.m. with our family and opened gifts. Anybody here whose parents are making them wait till after worship to open gifts? I am so sorry, the Kuhn family, that's terrible. Yeah, so you're the only ones, but everybody else... You experience this. And, and we know, especially as adults or especially as we get older, that as kids, we just couldn't see anything but the gifts, right? We couldn't see anything but the presents. It is like excitement overload, diving at the tree, opening stuff, tearing off wrapping paper. It's a puzzle. Throw it in the heap. Mom says, hey, who got you that? You say, I don't know, and I don't have time. I'm moving on to the next one. You know, you just, you can't. We set our kids up for failure. They can't but only see the gifts, and it's a happy time, and we love that. But of course, the older you get, the more you realize, I don't need anything. Like, I don't need any of this. I didn't get anything this morning that I could have gone a week without having, right? I mean, I don't need any of this stuff, which is why I'm impossible to shop for. Like, I don't need it. But what begins to touch us so much as we mature is not the actual gift that we got. It's that I have people in my life that would actually give me something. I got a spouse or kids or parents or grandparents or coworkers or neighbors that would actually think of me and like me enough that they would go out of their way to give me something. That begins to happen to us as we mature. It's not so much whatever's wrapped under the tree. It's that I've got people in my life who love me and I love them. That's what comes into focus in John 17. That's the gift of this morning and today and this week and this new year and the rest of our lives and the rest of our eternal lives. There are gifts to be had in Christ. We enjoy them now. We get good gifts now. We rejoice in those gifts now. But the greatest gift is the person of God himself, that he is near to us, Emmanuel, God with us, that he dwells amongst us, that we are his and he is ours, and we are joined to Christ. Hallelujah. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, What a gift, what a gift that gives day by day, hour by hour, minute by minute, the very presence of God, the creator of all things, come to join with us and unite himself to us and be near to us, that we can speak to you as we do now, face to face, that we can appeal to you, pray to you, walk with you, be forgiven by you, rejoice in you, sing to you, I pray that that is the gift of this day and these days going forward, the presence of you yourself. Praise you in Jesus' name, amen.